Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Come on, let's give it up for Jesus today. Amen. The reason for the season. What a powerful video. I want to thank you so much for being here uh, right before Christmas, just a couple of days away. If this is your first time here, thank you for joining us. I also want to welcome those watching behind a computer screen or mobile device. Thank you for tuning in. We've been in a series called God With Us, and we've learned in this series that God is with us in all the different areas of our life. He's with us in the valleys. He's with us in the wilderness. Last week, we looked at God with us in the storms of life. And I want to close this series out today by talking to you about God with us always. God with us always. Now, in this series, we know that we enjoy God on the mountaintop. We get to know God in the valley. We experience God in the wilderness. And then last week, we learned a very powerful truth of real peace is not the absence of trouble. Real peace is the presence of Jesus. That's what peace is. And so as we conclude this series, I want to talk about a a big theological word that is thrown around quite often, and that is the incarnation. The incarnation. Now, I recognize that we, we have guests today, and you may say, I'm not religious, and I don't come from a religious background, and I'm not really a follower of Jesus. I want to just stop and just make sure that you know that this pastor right here is so thankful that you're here today. We, we celebrate that you're here, and we're honored that you're here. And so, by talking about the incarnation, I believe a couple of things are, will happen. I believe that those of us who follow Jesus, your faith is going to grow today. And I also believe on the other end of that, that if you're not in relationship with Jesus, by the end of this message, you're going to become very curious and interested in following Jesus. And so when we talk about the incarnation, everybody say the incarnation. All right, what are we really talking about? And before I unveil all that, let's go to Matthew's account of the birth of Jesus, all right? Matthew chapter number one. And we're going to do something a little different. We don't normally do this, but it's Christmas, and this is the Christmas story. Can everybody stand as we read God's word today? Will y'all stand with me? Can I make you exercise just a little bit? Come on, you've eaten way too many cookies already. Matthew chapter number one says this in verse 18. Says this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man, and he did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet, look, The virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth 
to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Before you take your seat, I want you to high-five about three people and just tell them God is with you. Come on, encourage three people. Tell them God is with you. Amen. The incarnation. What is the incarnation? In order to clarify or define the incarnation uh, so that we can all kind of understand this, I went to, you know, the, the best source of all wisdom and knowledge, and that is Wikipedia, all right? <laughs> Wikipedia. Some of y'all are like, Wikipedia, what's that? All right. We can't help you if you don't know. Wikipedia defines the incarnation this way. It says, in Christian theology, the doctrine of the incarnation holds that Jesus, the pre-existent divine logos and the second hypostasis of the Trinity, God, the Son, and the Son of the Father, taken, taken on human body and human nature, was made flesh, conceived in the womb of Mary, the Theotokos, the doctrine of the incarnation then entails that Jesus Christ is fully God and fully human, two natures joined in hypostatic union. Now that we all understand the incarnation, we'll go on to something a little deeper. All right, all kidding aside, all kidding aside. I want to make this really, really simple, so I'm going to attempt to preach in a way that I don't normally preach. And the way that I, I'm going to set this, this message up is by, first of all, letting us all know that the incarnation, simply put, is that God came into the earth, wrapped himself in flesh, and we called him Jesus. All right? That's what we're talking. John chapter 1, verses 1 and 14 says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So the incarnation is when God... Through, through the Spirit of God, through the Holy Spirit, um, came and wrapped himself in flesh like you and I. And what I love about that is that in order to demonstrate his love, God didn't shout his love from heaven. He demonstrated his love by coming to the earth. And that just causes me to say, thank you, God, that when I could not get to you, you came to where I am. Anybody thankful that God came to where you are. See, that's what the incarnation is all about. And so to set this up, what if God had a conversation with Jesus before Jesus came into the earth? And he, he sat Jesus down and had this conversation to tell him all the things that he would have to endure and, and the mission as to why he was coming to the earth. So I'm going to need you today to help me out. Here's how you're going to help. I don't need you to shout amen, praise the Lord, or clap. I need you to use your imagination, and I want you to picture this conversation of God the Father sitting his son down, Jesus, because how many of Jesus was there in the beginning when everything was created? Everybody good? Got that? He sits Jesus down to have a conversation about what it would look like to come to the earth. So he sits him down and he says, Jesus, my son, this is your mission. I'm going to send you to the earth and you will become an innocent sacrifice 
so that the sins of all people can be forgiven. And I have chosen for you, Jesus, a woman that will give birth to you. Um, and, and what you need to know is that I have handpicked her. She's a teenage girl, but she is pure, Jesus. She's holy. She's dedicated to our, our will and our mission. And I have picked her to give birth to you. She's not like all the other girls, Jesus. You know, she doesn't play spin the bottle or any of that. She has kept herself pure and holy, and, and she's going to give birth to you. Now, with that being said, I've also chosen for you a father. Now, I am your heavenly father, but you're going to need an earthly father. And this guy is an upstanding guy. He's not going to get as much notoriety as Mary. Mary's going to get statues, and people are going to pray to Mary, and they're going to do all kinds of stuff about Mary. Joseph sometimes will be left out of the nativity scene, and they won't build him any statues. But he's your earthly father. He's a good man, and he's going to help you as you navigate uh, growing up under their care and provision. Not only uh, have I chosen her, uh, but I've also chosen the place. Jesus, you're going to be born. Um, most people would expect a king son to be born in a palace, but you're not going to be born in a palace. You're going to be born in a stable. Because I want everybody to know that you are both human and divine, that you are both man and God. And the reason you're not going to be born in a palace, Jesus, is that I want everyone to know that you are coming for the rich and the powerful, but you are also coming for the common and the ordinary. And so you will be born in a stable. That's where you, where you will first experience life. Then he goes on to tell his son, Jesus, what you need to understand, Jesus, is that the devil hates you. And he's going to attack you at every single turn. And you just got to be prepared for these attacks. The first time you will see this take place, you won't even be old enough to walk. And King Herod will issue a command to wipe out and kill every boy two years of age and under in an attempt to find you and to wipe you out. Now, if you just picture, I said, use your imagination. Jesus has taken notes of, of all this. And he, at that very moment, he's thinking, okay, we're going to have to flee and run because he's going to issue a command to kill two-year-olds and under. So we need to secure, Jesus writes down, this is my sermon. I can preach how I want. We, we need to secure a fast donkey, right? Like we, we got to get something that can move really, really fast. Then God says, now, son, you got a virgin, you're going to be born of a virgin, going to have a mom and a dad, born in a stable. You're coming for all people. The devil's going to attack you at every turn. But I also want you to know, son, you will have supernatural power. I'm going to give you supernatural power. All the, all the power in heaven will be available to you. And, and you're going to be able to operate in this power. Which means, son, that when Mary and Joseph, your earthly mom and dad, give you a bath, you'll have the power to part the waters and sit on dry tub. But just take the bath, all right? Just take the bath. They will attempt to feed you broccoli, and you have the power to turn it into a calzone. But just eat the broccoli, son. You're going to have power to do great things. You're going to have perfect attendance at school. Your teachers are going to love you. And all the other students are going to be jealous of you, Jesus. And here's the thing. When you get to be an adult, Jesus, you're going to work with your hands. You're going to work with wood. You're going to build things. You're going to be a carpenter just like your dad. 
Now, Jesus, you're not going to make a lot of money doing that, but you're going to find fulfillment in helping people. You're going to find fulfillment in being there. And what you need to know is as much as you love people and as much as you help people, they're still not going to honor you. Many times they're not going to respect you, son. You, and I want you to be prepared for all of this before you get there. See, the people that, that you, you work with the wood and you build things, they don't understand that the very wood you're working with will be the same wood that you'll be crucified on. Jesus, I want you to use this power that I'm giving you, but I want you to use it wisely. See, you're going to be able to speak, son, and things will change. You'll be able to speak to situations and, and stuff will change in people's lives. And you're going to do some awesome things. Matter of fact, son, I have, I've already picked out your first miracle. Your first miracle, you will attend a wedding. And at this wedding, you're going to turn water into wine. Can you imagine this conversation? Jesus is like, my first miracle, I'm going to turn water into wine. I'm going to do a party trick for the first miracle. And the father says, yes, son, I want to mess with all the religious people because they'll debate for hundreds of years, was it real alcohol or not, right? Like, I, we're just going to mess with them a little bit. Just, just We're going to mess with them. We're going to have a little fun out of that. But Jesus, after that, you need to know you're going to do some real powerful miracles. You're going to lay hands on blind people, and they will see for the very first time. You will, you will speak to those that are deaf and their ears will become unstopped. Jesus, you will literally raise dead people. You're going to do all these amazing things, but here's what I want you to know, Jesus. That's going to be powerful. It's going to be awesome. But as you do those things, people are going to hate you. People are going to make fun of you. They will call you a liar. They will think you're crazy. They will think that you came from the devil. They will even say those things. But Jesus, what I want you to do is you keep doing what the mission is all about and you keep loving people. Keep loving them, son. Show them my love, even when they're against you. God says the devil is going to attack you, not just as a child, but he's going to attack you in a season of prayer and fasting where you're really seeking me. And he's going to attack you. And, and I want to make sure you're prepared for that attack. So whenever the devil tells you, and you're, you're hungry, you've been fasting, and he tells you to turn those stones into bread, son, what, what will you tell the devil in that moment? And Jesus says, I will tell him, it is written, man shall not live by, by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And I can imagine God just saying, good, son, good, that's awesome. But what if the devil tells you to throw yourself off a mountain to see if I'll really protect you? What will you do in that moment? And Jesus answers the father back and says, I know what I'll say. It is written that we should not tempt the Lord thy God. And God smiles and says, that's right, Jesus, that's right. But what if Satan throws a big one at you and he says this, I'm going to give you all the riches of the world if you'll just worship me for a moment, what will you say? And Jesus is like, I, I know what I'll say, Dad. I'll just tell the devil in that moment, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The father's so excited that Jesus is really getting the mission and he's understanding what he's coming to the earth for. But then God tells him, he says, now you got this power and you got all this stuff that's gonna happen. People aren't gonna like you, but you need to know Jesus I'm going to give you some friends. In fact, you'll have 12 that are really close to you. 
12 that you will give your best to. You will pour everything you have into these 12 men and you will invest in them and you're going to love them and they're going to love you back. But there's this one, his name's Peter. And Jesus, let me just tell you, he's a loud mouth. He's obnoxious at times. He's, he's, but he cusses, like, but, but I want you to love him. But there will come a moment in Peter's life that he will deny that he ever knew you. And, and, and he, he won't do it once, Jesus. He's going to do it three times. And that one's going to hurt. But what you also need to know, as as painful as that is, you have another one, one of the, one of the 12. His name is Judas. And at the, the Lord, what will be known as the Lord's Supper, where you give the bread and the wine representing your body and the blood, there'll be one there that has already betrayed you in his heart. And he's going to betray you over a few pieces of silver. He's going he's to betray you with a kiss. And he's going to lead those that will eventually crucify you. He's going to lead them back to take you and to put you on a cross. Jesus, you're going to experience pain. But I want you to love people anyway. I want you to love them no matter what they do. Then it's going to get even more painful because when you go into a garden called Gethsemane, you're going to see what's coming. You're going to know and feel what is about to take place. You're going to be so overwhelmed in the moment that you will ask, Dad, why have you forsaken me? Dad, why? Are, are, why is this happening to me? And you're even going to ask, is there any other way? And I will tell you then what I'm telling you now. You know there's no other way. The only way to save and rescue people from their sin is for you to die in their place. And because of the pain of, of what you're going through in that moment, your sweat will become like great drops of blood. They're going to arrest you after that, son. And this is when the real pain will begin. They're going to arrest you. They're going to make fun of you. They're going to mock you. They're going to spit on you, son. They're going to grab one of your arms and stretch it out, and they're going to drive a nail through it. And you're going to think you can't take anything else. And it's in that moment, son, they'll take your other arm and extend it. They will also drive a nail through that arm as well, through those hands, both, both hands. And son, they're also going to take your feet and they're going to drive a nail through your feet and put you on this cross. They're going to strip you naked and they're going to humiliate you. And there'll be people there making fun of you saying, if you're God, why don't you set yourself free? And the very people, Jesus, that we created, they're going to mock us, the creator. And because of who you are and because of the mission, you will look up to heaven in that very moment and you will say, Dad, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Jesus, I want you to press on because at any moment you could call a legion of angels to rescue you and to wipe out those who crucify you. But son, I don't want you to use the power that way. I want you to freely lay your life down I want you to demonstrate our love. And when, it's, when you've completed all of that, I want you to tell them, it is finished. In that moment, son, I want you to offer me your spirit. 
But here's what I want you to know, Jesus. I will be with you every step of the way. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will be with you. I want you to remember, son, you are an innocent sacrifice. And when you become sin, in that moment, you're going to become sin. The weight of the sin of the world will be on you. And that sin will be nailed to the cross in the form of your flesh. And in that moment, I want you to know ahead of time that I'm so holy, we are so holy, that in that moment, I'll have to turn my back from you for, turn, turn from you for just a moment because I can't look upon sin. All this physical pain will pale in comparison to that moment. Just remember, I can't look upon sin. But Jesus, when all that's done, three days later, There'll be some women who will come to check out the tomb. And the stone won't be in its proper place. And neither will you, son. Because on the third day, you will rise again. You will rise and defeat death, hell, and the grave. Son, I know that's a lot to take in. And we've got, we, we have to have you do this. But I, I just need to know, son, are you up for all of that? Can you endure all of this? And Jesus in the moment says, not only can I do it, I want to do it. I don't want us to shout our love from heaven. I want us to demonstrate our love by showing up in the earth. And I, I just have to imagine, hit your neighbor and say imagine, that in, that in that moment, the Holy Spirit says, hey guys, over here, it's always God the Father, God the Son. I'm here too. Will you please remind them, Jesus, that when you're taken away from them, that you won't be with them physically, but I'll be in them. It won't just be God with them, it will be God in. I don't know how you feel about that. Anybody thankful that it's not just God with us, it's God in us? Oh, I feel like preaching about right here. I'm going to kick something. All right. I can't do that. I got somewhere I got to go with this. Jesus says, I'll tell them, Holy Spirit, I will let them know you'll be with them. That's why John 14, verse 15 says, if you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. So Jesus is reminding us that we will have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. In Matthew 28, he says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely... I am with you always to the very end of the age. See, Christmas, God is saying, I am Emmanuel. I am God with you. In the valley, in the wilderness, in the storm, in your depression, in your addiction, in your family problems, God is saying, I am with you. Anybody thankful that through every part of our life, God's saying, I'm with you. I won't leave you. I won't forsake you. I can just imagine that conversation. Are you up for that? 
Jesus, do you know why you're going? And Jesus is like, Father, absolutely, I know why I'm going. We have to pay the price for the sins of all people. I understand the mission. I'm going to rescue people that are lost, that have no purpose. I understand why I'm going, Father. I understand they are, they are sheep without a shepherd. I understand that I'm not going to call the righteous. I'm going after the sinner. I'm not showing up for the healthy. I'm showing up for the sick. Father, I understand the mission, and I'm ready to do this. See, Matthew chapter 1 is where we started, and Matthew chapter 1 is where we end. I want you to hear this now in context of what we just talked about. Hear this. It says, And she will have a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. Anybody thankful today that God took on flesh, that he didn't just stand in heaven to shout his love, but to demonstrate his love, he came and endured all the things that he endured so that you and I could have a relationship with him. That's what the good news is. That's what the gospel is. The word gospel means good news. And this is, the message of the gospel is that Jesus came to give us life and to give us that life more abundantly. And you may not know Christ today. But I, I have to believe that in this room with as much faith that's in, in this room right now and hearing the message of what Jesus endured, that you have to be just a little bit curious about what life would look like if Jesus was leading your life, if Jesus was in control of your life, if Jesus was the boss of your life. It's a powerful thing. As the worship team comes, I want to remind some people that he will never leave you he will never forsake you. If, if you lack direction, he will be your guide. If, if you're sick, we believe that by his stripes, we are healed. If you're addicted, you can be set free. That no matter where you find yourself in life, maybe, maybe in this season, one of the things that I have, I have discovered it, it, this year for a lot of people, 2018, it almost feels like God has been distant. Like, where is God in all my trouble? Like, why, why can't I hear him? Why does it seem like he's not answering my prayers? I, I, I want to help us with that for just a moment. It's been a long time since I've been in school. And we got a lot of educators here. We got a lot of teachers, people that work with the school system. We got moms that homeschool. A lot of, a lot of people that teach. But all of us understand something very simple. That when it's time to take the test, the teacher becomes quiet. And I believe that for a lot of you, 2018, the teacher, God, has been quiet because it's been test time. It's been test time. And we know that the teacher gives us all the knowledge they have. They instruct us. They tell us what we need to know. They, they educate. They, they give us everything we need. But as soon as... As it's time to take the test, the teacher often becomes quiet. 2018, for a lot of people, it seems as if God has been quiet. And it seems that you've been in the test of your life. But look, you're in church at the end of the year when you could be home sulking and pouting 
and complaining, but you chose to come and worship God. I believe that 2018 has been a year of testing, but I do believe, and I'm going to go ahead and prophesy now, that 2019, for a lot of people, it's going to be a brand new season of blessing, favor, increase, promotion, raises. Come on, I need somebody to receive that word, 2019. I told the staff, 2018, I started the year off by preaching. It's our grown-up year. Oh, my goodness. I had no idea what I was saying. That God was literally going to make us grow up. He was going to test us and see if we would come out on the other side and still have our faith intact and still believe that he's a good God. Like Job said, though he slay me, I'll serve him anyway. It may not always go in my favor, but I'm going to serve. He's been so good to me that if he doesn't do anything, I'll serve him anyway. I believe I got a room full of people today that if he never does another thing for me, I'll serve him anyway. I'll, I'll praise him anyway. I'll praise Him in my valley. I'll praise Him in my wilderness. I'll praise Him in my storm. Because 2019 is going to be a year of supernatural favor. I believe God's going to release miracles over this house. Health in people's bodies. Miracles to be released. Financial blessing that many of you have been praying for and believing for. I believe 2019 will be that for you. If you receive that, come on, let's give God a high praise right there. Come on, if you believe it. It's a new day. It's a new season. Now, I got to calm down. Y'all don't sit down on me. Stay right there. If you sit back down, I'll feel the, the pressure to preach again. I wanted to keep this as short as possible because we're about to light some candles. And I don't want this to be a moment of, okay, it's just like Christmas and we light some candles. And the scripture says in Genesis that God pronounced, let there be light. He said, let there be light. Man, this is so powerful. If you can grab it. We have to let there be light. That means I have to cooperate with God. If there's going to be light in my heart, then I have to let that light in. I have to, the word let means to permit to enter. That I have to let, obviously God has done so much to make himself real to us. But how often do we stay in our bitterness and our loneliness and our depression and instead of letting there be light, we just stay, we, we like the Grinch who stole Christmas. We, we, just, we, just, we just pout over everything that's gone wrong. But here's an opportunity for you to say, God, I'm going to let your light into my life. I'm going to let your light into my sickness, into my relationships, into my bitterness, into my offense. I'm going to let your light into my valley, into my storm. God, I'm just going to, oh, I believe as we light candles today that we are prophetically saying, God, as this candle, I am allowing you to burn brighter in my heart. I'm going to allow your light to enter my world. And so this, this moment is gonna be a powerful moment. And, and how many, God can do powerful things without anybody shouting. <laughs> uh, we, we've learned in this series, God whispers because he's close. The devil shouts his lies, but God whispers his truth. 
He whispers because he's close. And I believe that the Holy Spirit, as we do this, he's gonna whisper some healing to people. Some marriages are gonna be restored. Some relationships that have gone south are gonna be restored. I, I believe that while we do this, your body, physical body, can be healed as you let his light into your life. See, when this room goes dark in just a moment, it's going to make a lot of people a little uncomfortable because we don't like darkness. Now, there's some macho men here that would say, uh, that, that would never admit to it, but they still sleep with their little nightlight. <laughs> I got a couple men, yeah, that's me. Can you leave that closet light on, dear? Because I don't like this room all that dark. We don't, darkness makes us uncomfortable. And so when these lights go out, it's going to be a little uncomfortable. And before the lights go out and you can't see what to do, go ahead and, and reach under your seat. There are candles there. I want you to be able to see the candles. First service, I didn't tell. They were trying to find those in the dark. I get a little better each service. <laughs> so everybody's got a candle, all right? Everybody's got a candle. So this room is gonna go dark now. Perfect. I want us to honor this moment, but also understand that this room right now being this dark is a picture of what our life looks like without Jesus. I gave a challenge last year. I've had many people come to me and say, I took that challenge you gave last Christmas when, when I challenged the church to give us one year of your life. And by giving us one year, I asked that you would come to service every chance you got, that you would attend a small group and that you would serve. That if you came to church, went to small groups and you served, that your life would look a whole lot different in one year. And I can't tell you the countless people that said, I, I, I took the challenge, Pastor, and I'm so thankful that I did because one year later, my, my life looks totally different than it did one year ago. So I want to challenge you in this moment to give us one year. Church services, small groups. Listen, guys, we got some things planned in 2000. We're going to bring some voices in, some, some preachers into this area that have never been here, that have worldwide platforms that will come and preach in our new facility. And, and, and listen, it's going to be an opportunity for us to really grow and for us, to, listen, we have an opportunity to let West Virginia know that God still saves. To let this nation know God still saves. To let the world know that God still saves. So give us this next year. And what's cool about this moment is that I'm going to light a candle. And as I light this candle, this one candle is going to light every candle in the room. I hope. It worked for a service.
as you let, let your light shine, you give others permission to let their light shine. Would you just close your eyes right there in this moment? And I want to speak to someone that's here that maybe you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior. But right now you feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit calling you into a relationship with God. I'm not going to make this difficult, but if you need to make things right with Jesus, you need to give your life to Him. You need His forgiveness and grace. If that's you, while heads are bowed, eyes are closed, would you just throw your hand up and say, that's me, Pastor. I need Jesus today. I want to make Him the Lord of my life. Anyone at all? One here? God bless you. If you're watching online, we would love to pray with you as well. Anyone else? I want us to pray this together, everybody out loud. Simply say, Jesus, I need you. My life is dark, and I need you. Today, I receive you as my Savior. Thank you for forgiving me and changing me. In Jesus' name, amen. Powerful. I won't ask you to clap your hands. That could be dangerous. But we do celebrate you if you made Jesus the Lord of your life. Here's what we're going to do in this moment. Worship team's going to lead us in a song. All right? Let's sing this together as we let our light shine. Radiant beams from the 
want to pray over you before you're dismissed and let me say that we want to wish you the staff here at Bethesda Church we want to wish you the the most the best Christmas you've ever had we want to wish you a Merry Christmas we want to say we love you we're so thankful for you and we believe that 2019 there's a lot of blessings coming your way amen father I thank you for every person under the sound of my voice God for every family that's represented God, I pray, God, over them for this new year. I pray, Father, that you would be their strength, their peace, their God. You'd be their protector. I pray over, God, every marriage right now in the name of Jesus, God, that 2019 would be the, the greatest year of their marriage. I pray, Father, for every family, their, their children, God. We just pray a hedge of protection around them. God, the children that are, are maybe lost without you, God, we speak life over them and we believe that they will be saved, God. That's a promise you have given us. And God, I just pray, God, Lord, that this year we would know you more intimately than ever before, that we would grow in our faith, God. And God, as we let our light shine, God, it would give per permission to other people for their light to shine as well. God, we pray your blessing upon every home and every family in Jesus' name. And the church said... Amen. God bless you. Merry Christmas. On your way out, there's some buckets for you to drop your candles in. Have a great, great Christmas. We love you. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.